good morning, everyone. It's great to see it. Like, firstly, like, well done for making it out this morning because it is pretty wild out there, isn't it? So, when thunder and lightning first thing in the morning, I was like, wow, what's going on? If you're wondering where Andy and Bethan are, they are not sort of like, oh, do you know what? Didn't, didn't fancy it this morning. So, they're on the sofa, you know watching online. They're not. They're over at um, Sutton Vineyard, which is um, part of our family of churches. There's about 130 vineyard churches around the UK and Ireland, and they're visiting Sutton Vineyard this morning, So just, which actually is in Sutton, funnily enough. So, um, so yeah, do think of them as they're, um, as they're doing that this morning. Um, now, you might have seen this week um, that the Collins Dictionary, give me just one second, um, um, came up with its word of the year, and that word was perma-crisis. Has anyone seen that at all? So the first time I heard that word, I thought someone was trying to make reference to the state of my mum's hair back in the 1980s. (laughs) That is not actually my mum. Some people may know who that is, but... um, So, yeah, um, but apparently it's actually defined as an extended period of instability and insecurity. So we've got climate change, we've got people, we're all navigating this post-pandemic world. There's the war in Ukraine, a cost of living in crisis, um, increase and crisis. I think I blended those two words there, that's pretty, I've come up, I need to, next year, you'll see it. And, And political chaos. We live in really crazy times, don't we? But Crazy times, I believe, mean crazy opportunities for the church to respond to the needs of those around us, those that we see struggling, those that we don't see struggling but are struggling, and for all of us to come together. Now, back in the year AD 362, there was a Roman emperor called Julian, and he complained about what the church was doing at that time. He was complaining about how they were providing for the weak, the despised, the forgotten members of his empire. He said, "Um, these impious Galileans not only feed their own poor, but ours also. Whilst the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity. I really love that. I love that. the, The church was known and also hated for remembering the poor. It was hated for devoting themselves to works of charity, to helping people like themselves, but also people from other nations and places. Now, in 2022, now, perhaps more than ever, it's an opportunity for the church, I believe, to emulate what those impious Galileans did all those years ago, to demonstrate God's love in really practical ways to those around us. So we're going to be continuing our series today on advance. Um, we've been looking at the early church through the eyes of Acts as we sense the Lord is, is calling us to advance and to grow as a church. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. I'd, I'd just love to pray for us again really quickly. Um, I know Dave has prayed for us, but I just want to add an extra prayer in. And um, we'll read from Acts um, for in just a moment. But Lord, I, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for um, the early church and all that they did and the example that they provide us today. Lord, I pray that these words would not only just be words on a, on a piece of paper in our Bibles or on a, on a screen on our phone, but would be words, living words that come alive as we read them. So be with us, 
Help us to transform as you, as you meet with us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to pick this up from verse 32 of chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I love these words. I love what the early church were doing. The church was marked by their compassion for others, living out God's love to bless those around them. So today, I'm going to share a few thoughts from this passion, from this passage on what it means to be a compassion-filled church. And then I'm going to share a few stories from across our compassion ministry. And then we're going to talk about something that's coming up towards the end of next month. Does anyone know what's coming up next month? Christmas. We're going to talk a little bit about Christmas and some of the things that we're going to be doing. Um, I'm sorry, it might hit you early, but you know, Christmas is coming. So, um, so first of all, I just want to share that a compassion-filled church treats everyone the same. We see that in verse 32. Now, in the verses leading up to this passage, um, the, the passage that we have just read, the church is gathered together and they begin to pray. They pray for boldness. They pray for healing. They pray for signs of wonders. And when they pray, the Holy Spirit comes. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and they receive boldness to go and speak the word of God boldly. And then we read these, these verses, this, this sentence in verse 32. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And it seems to me that unity Togetherness is so important as followers of Jesus, as the church. We sang about that a little bit earlier. And yet we live in a world that seems to want to highlight how different, or dare I say it, better we, than, than others we are. It's easy to fall into the trap of, of acknowledging those differences. You know, you were born in the UK, I wasn't. You, were bo- you use the food bank, I don't. You support this football team, I support the better team. These verses, I think, remind us that we have a shared humanity together. Regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of where we were born, regardless of our gender, or of whether we are still living in the country of our birth. So what that means in practice is is that I believe when we are struggling, we reach out to help one another. We ensure that all are made welcome. When one of us is hungry, we provide food. When one of us can't get work, we share our skills and our experience and our prayer and point people towards the help that we need. And in verse 34, we are told that there were no needy persons among them. That's remarkable, I think. Now, you see, when when we recognize, I think, that we are all the same, we reach out and help one another. I was having a conversation yesterday evening. We were talking about what we have in this church. And it was only at the end, towards the end of that conversation 
There were four of us, and I suddenly realized that all four of us were from different countries. And it didn't even strike me until the end of that conversation I thought about it. I love what the Lord has given us in this church. Now, this might be slightly controversial, so I apologize, first of all, but I love the response that this country has made to the people of Ukraine. But the reality is that there are also many other countries around the world that are experiencing war. Many other countries where people have had to flee oppressive regimes. And yet, we haven't in the same way opened up our homes to support every single nation that is struggling right now. See, we are all created in the image of God. And so as the church, our response is to ensure that when people are struggling, we reach out to help. We ensure that all are made welcome, we provide food, and we we help people in all sorts of ways. You see, a compassion-filled church treats everyone the same. And secondly, I believe, it knows that everything we have comes from God. So everything, that starts with the, the breath that we breathe in our, through our lungs every morning, the roof that's over our heads, the phone in our hands, the money in our bank accounts. When we think about our money in this way, it's much easier to trust in God for everything. So in his second letter to the church in Corinth, so this is 2 Corinthians, a little bit further on in the New Testament, Paul shares the example of a church in Macedonia, So the church in Macedonia were facing their own cost of living crisis. Um, They had a famine going on in the land. And yet we read in 2 Corinthians 8, um, verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty whirled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I think that's stunning. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. See, right in the middle of their own trials, when they were dealing with struggling to put food on the table, when they were struggling to um, deal with the famine that they'd encountered, In the midst of that, they gave all they could to benefit others. That's incredible. They urgently pleaded for an opportunity to be a part of all that Paul and the church was doing through their giving. And so then we read on in chapter 9. Paul offers this advice. He says from verse 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Really stunning words. I just, we're going to share a little story from Brian, who's part of our church family. He chatted to Andy earlier in the week. Um, just a two-minute video is just going to come up behind me of some of this in practice in 2022. So I'm here with Brian. Uh, Brian, you were sharing that just a while back you'd inherited some money. What, 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 did, what did you sense the Lord prompt you to do? Well, we felt at the time that uh, I, I ought to give some money uh, to particularly the Staines uh, plant um, because it, it was, I suppose, the timing was um, appropriate. And we felt that we, um, 
again, we felt just to give 10%, you know, it was a sort of inkling, it was a leading, it was whatever. And we just felt that we, uh, although we could have done with the money ourselves in terms of refurbishing the bungalow, we just felt it was a good thing to give that money away. Okay. So, so that's what you felt the spirit prompt you to do. Yeah. yeah. You did that. Thank you. <laughs> what, what, what happened next? Well, uh, we sort of gave it not think, thinking much at all, really. We're just thinking we're trusting the Lord. Um, and at the same time, I was changing work, work scenario. I'm trying to retire. So I, 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 I applied for the state pension, um, thinking, you know, from July this year, I think I was applying for the state pension from July this year. And there was a bit of a mix up and things, as there can always be with DWP. Uh, but they've sent me a letter and said, well, you're due the state pension from a year ago. Uh, here's a lump sum money, which I was not expecting at all. Uh, and they paid it straight into the bank. And I, I just took that as being the Lord giving us the money back. And, and the way that it worked was it was almost twice as much as we'd given to the Staines plant. Uh, and we were just sort of blessed in that. We just sort of say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing that. And that was just good. Okay. Brian, thank <laughs> you so much. That's a wonderful story. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I love that. It's good, isn't it? So, so Brian and Chrissy, they had this sort of inkling, a sense that the Lord was speaking to them about what they did with that money that they were given. So they listened to the Lord and they gave, even though they actually really need, I know they needed that money for themselves. And the Lord gave back to them even more than they had given out. You see, giving is such a huge part of our discipleship. Um, John Wimber, the founding pastor of the Vineyard Family of Churches, he, he once said that he learned more through, um, through money than any other part of, of his life. He said it was such an important part of that. And Jesus spoke. I mean, 40% of his parables were about money. See, when we're willing to give up our money, it says something about where our heart is. But if you're thinking, I could never do that, I'm going to jump back to those verses in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 8, verse 7, it says, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of, living, of giving. In other words, I believe that it's something that we can grow in. So, so where can I start in this? You know, the simple answer is I would just encourage us all to start from where we are. Some of us have a lot. Some of us have a little. I, you know, I love that story of the widow's offering or the widow's might in Luke 21. Jesus sees the rich putting their gifts in the temple treasury, but then he spots a widow giving two small coins. Jesus turns to his disciples and, and he says that the widow has given more than any of the others. I love that. So how, how much? I think that's a really good question. But the Old Testament talks a lot about 10%, tithing what we earn. It's a, I think that's a really helpful yardstick. But Jesus never gives specifics, but he does encourage generosity. So how should we give? But for us, for Kathy and myself, we make it a priority. It's the first thing that comes out of our bank account each month, even before the bills. Secondly, to do it regularly and systematically. For us, giving by standing orders means that the church gets the full amount, but it also means that we don't have to think about it. Whereas Kathy might remember, I'm less likely because my memory's not always uh, the sharpest. So I just want to encourage you today, if you've not taken a step towards giving, if you've never, never begin to, 
begun to give, can you begin to give today? If you give sporadically, can I urge you to give, start to give regularly? If you give regularly, begin to tithe. And if you tithe, begin to give extravagantly. So all the details, as Candy shared earlier, on the sides of the auditorium, on the giving page on the website, and there is that QR code, so you can go straight through to that if you're getting your phones out today. I'll, I'll trust that's what you're up to. So if you're also giving by cash, you can use the envelopes and increase your giving by 25% um, if you're a UK taxpayer by ticking that box. But you know what? I recognize that this is a really tough climate that we're living in. It's and it can be difficult to think about giving. Now, Andy pointed to, to some really helpful resources last week. So if you need help, there's a whole bunch of places that you can go. You can talk to a small group leader. Um, there are a bunch of tools that we can provide you with. There's the CAP budget tool. Um, you know, budgeting, I think, is so important, particularly in this time, knowing what's coming in and coming out. Um, Andy did a straw poll last, last week, and I think less than 20% across the two services here and in Staines um, have a budget in place. So if you haven't got a budget, I just really want to encourage you, urge you to think about that at the moment. Um, and, it, and it means we can start to steward the resources that we've been given ourselves. So there's small group resources. If you've not done that, you can access that. There are also money management sessions. So starting next Saturday with Alison um, as part of our warm space, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, and again, on the 19th as well, you can access that. We have warm space. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but we are starting that tomorrow. So there is a space to come and keep warm even when it's cold outside. If you need help, from storehouse, you know, for food. Um, for us, you know, we've been here, we've been helped massively by storehouse when we, we, uh, when we were struggling. Um, you can get a referral from a small group leader or pastoral staff. There's things like Job Club, Money Advice Center. You can find all of that on the Compassion page of the website. If you're struggling, don't walk away. Ask for help. It's hard to do, but we all need to do it in this time. Now, the third way that we can be a compassion-filled church is by sharing God's love in words and actions. So the early church didn't just feed people. They talked about the good news of Jesus. They didn't just talk about the good news of Jesus. They also fed people. Now, William Booth, he was the founder of the Salvation Army. He said, you can't warm the hearts of people with God's love if they have an empty stomach and cold feet. I get cold feet a lot, but, you know, that's, a, that's another issue. But... You see, it's words and action together. Now, at Riverside, we have a number of compassion ministries. We have English language classes, meeting place. We have storehouse, our food bank, the job club that help people into employment and money advice. But all of those are laced with the gospel. Now, last weekend, a bunch of us gathered together for our Compassion Day, people that are serving across our different compassion ministries. And I just want to share very quickly a few stories that I heard, um, which I just, just show us how God is moving. Um, there was in Storehouse, there was a Storehouse client that had said, um, when, when she was offered to go to a different food bank, she was like, no, the kindness that I find here, I don't find anywhere else. There's something different about what we do. With the job club, there was one lady who attended a course who found uh, work at her kids' nursery. Um, there was a lady um, from, from Burma who had previously worked in education. She found some work as a researcher at the University of Warwick 
specifically around her own language dialect. It's remarkable. There was another lady, I think, had a practice interview with, with Anne, who heads the job club, and she went to an interview next, the de- very next day, and I think Anne got a phone call a little bit later on, and she said, they asked all the questions that you asked me, and she got the job as well. One lady referred to job club from Meeting Place, our English language lessons. She started to get interviews. Um, her confidence was growing in her English skills. And, and I found out yesterday that this week she is now employed as an interpreter at Heathrow Airport. That's remarkable. With the money advice team, there was, there was a client who couldn't even open the post. Team sat down with her um, to open the post. And, and yes, she's still struggling a bit, but she's been able to open her post ever since. You know, some of these may seem like small steps, but each one is making a difference in the lives of people. Um, and another client said, even if things don't work out, you've given me hope. No one else seems to listen to me, but you listened. I love that. I love that. No one else has been able to provide people with the hope and to be able to listen to others. It's just remarkable how God's love is displaying itself in word and action. You see, storehouse without God's love is just a food bank. Job club without the hope of Jesus is just a job provider. Money advice without the presence of the Holy Spirit is just another tool to help people out of debt. You see, what we do here is different because of who we are and what we carry. And the reality is that we can all be part of this. You may not be able to give your time, but through our giving, we get to be a part of this. And another thing, we can all bring food each week. So we're, we're running low at the moment on a few items. So if you can add a few items to your shop each week, you can bring them in and you can put them in the, the, uh, the bucket at the back there or at the front. We particularly need right now, we need oil, toiletries, cereal, and squash, okay? I'm going to repeat those because I didn't get time to pop them up on the slide. So oil, which is like raising in price right now, isn't it? Toiletries for men or women, cereal, you know, the stuff you have in the morning, and squash, as in the drink, not the uh, vegetable, but I'm sure they'd appreciate a vegetable as well. So now the third way that we can be a part of this is this Christmas by being part of Love Christmas. So this is the point where I probably should have got my Santa hat out or something like that, but I just couldn't find it in time. So, you know, each Christmas we demonstrate God's love in really practical ways to those around us. And I'm really excited to be able to launch Love Christmas today. Now we have some flyers, which I think are in baskets at the front. You can grab one of these or you can go to the page. Yeah, go for it. Um, or you can go to the page on the website, which is the easiest way to sign up, riversidevineyard.com slash lovechristmas. I think there might even be a QR code on the next slide. Possibly. No? Did it not get up? Okay. Next week, we'll get a QR code up. It'll be easier. So we would love everyone to be involved in this. There are a few different ways, but Love Christmas is such... I mean, if you've not been around for any of this, because we haven't been able to do this for the last couple of years, um, but the first thing that we do is a, a Christmas party for all our storehouse families. So this is taking place on Saturday, the 11th of December, and there are some great ways you can get involved. The first thing is you can give a toy... So we want every child to have a gift to open at Christmas. And we know that without these gifts, some children will be waking up without a gift on Christmas morning. 
So these gifts are probably around the 20 to 25 pound mark. Um, you can give financially, which really helps us, or you can take a look at the gift list, which is on the Love Christmas page, and you can bring your toy along, um, and there'll be a basket at the back where you can put that in. But if we can, you can do that by the 27th of November. So that's a really practical way so you can give a toy to be a part of that. The second way is you can give your time. So we want all our storehouse families to have an amazing Christmas party. And I know already that there's a lot of kids that can't make this, so, uh, who, who can't wait for this. So there's, I think we're having, I think, I think Santa's going to be there. I think there's going to be donkeys, balloon modeling, face painting, and so much more. So we're really excited for this, and we can all be a part of making this happen. So there's a bunch of ways that we can give our time to this. On Thursday the 8th, we want to make our auditorium and foyer look amazing. So we're going to decorate that. So there are three different time slots that you can sign up for. Nine till one, one till five, or six till nine in the evening. So you can get involved in that way by helping make sure we're ready and this place looks amazing. Um, the, then on Saturday the 10th, the party itself, from nine to nine, we need nine till one, we need people to welcome people and to register guests. We need people who can wrap gifts. So maybe you're someone who doesn't like to be around too many people. Wrapping gifts is a great spot. You can just go nice and quiet. You might be someone that likes taking photos. Brilliant. We'd love to take some photos. We want to serve food. We, there's so many more ways. that, And it's just going to be a remarkable morning. It's going to be so much fun. And I'm really excited because we haven't done this for a couple of years. But this place is just absolutely buzzing, filled with people from our community, families having just a wonderful time. And we love being able to do that. And then last but not least, in terms of giving your time, we need to get this set back this room set back particularly for our carol services the next day. So if you can be a part of the, the post-event um, post team setting everything down from 12.30 through till 5 on that day, we'd love you to be a part of that. You'll get a little glimpse of what's going on in the room, but you'll be able to help us get ready for the carol services the next day. So that's going to be amazing, okay? So you may think, man, I can't give my time this year, but you can give financially um, to bless our storehouse families this Christmas. So we're suggesting that toys are about 20 to 25 pounds, and then per, per child, it's about five pound per party. So I'd love, I'd love us to think about, you know, perhaps what we spend at Christmas. And we may be wondering how much we can spend at Christmas. And if we know how much we've got, you know, that's why budgeting is, is going to be really helpful for us this year. Um, apparently, the average spend for a family this Christmas is likely to be somewhere between £700 and £1,100. That might sound like quite a lot. And we just want to invite you to be able to, to tithe that amount. So in other words, if you were spending £100 at Christmas, could you give £10 to help a couple of children have an amazing party? If you were someone who might spend £800, could you give £80 to, be, to help um, have a, you know, a few kids open up with some uh, amazing toys on Christmas morning and to have a great party? So we'd love us all to be a part of this. Um, so you can, you, the way to get involved with that is just by either ticking the details on the flyer or you can go to our webpage. We'll be talking about this again over the next few weeks as well.
Now, the second thing that we're doing for Love Christmas is bags of kindness. I'm really excited about this because this is a way for each of us to demonstrate God's love in the communities that we're part of. So you may know, uh, maybe you know a teacher, uh, maybe a key worker, a neighbor that you just want to kind of bless. And so what we're going to have is we're going to have a bunch of, um, of bags of kindness. So we're going to have like little bags that we can give out. So you'll be able to grab these from the church um, and you can fill them with mince pies, luxury goods, chocolate, things like that. You can invite them along to the carol services. Um, and just it's a great way to practically demonstrate God's love to people around us. So in a, few, in a couple of weeks' time, you can grab as many of those that you need and you can share some kindness to those around you um, as, we, as we do that. And imagine the multiplying effect as we all, don't lose our water, as we all do that together. And finally, the last thing I want to tell you about with Love Christmas is our Christmas lunch team. So we are going to be serving Christmas lunch here again for people who would otherwise be on their own this Christmas. There's an amazing team already that are cooking Christmas lunch. We just need a a bunch of people that could help get people here and then to take them home again. And we're also producing a few lunches for people maybe who are in care homes that might not be able to come out. Um, And we're going to need a few people to be able to do deliveries as well. So there's a lot of really practical ways that we can demonstrate God's love to those around us this Christmas. Um, And we would really urge everyone to be a part of this. If you've not been around for a storehouse Christmas party, I mean, like, it's wow. It's one of those, one of the absolute highlights of the year. It's just a stunning moment. And there's lots of different ways that we can be involved. So the best way to sign up is to go to Love, the Love Christmas page on the website. Those, it's all open now, so you can go to that. Or you can grab that flyer, grab a pen, fill out your details and tick the ways that you'd like to be involved. And I'd encourage you to take a note of any dates that you put in your diary on your phone. And we'd love you to be a part of that. Now, I just want to land with this. Um, Finally, you know, just thinking about a compassion-filled church. A compassion-filled church is marked by outrageous generosity. So in the midst of all that is going on in the world right now, in the midst of this perma-crisis, I believe that the church can be known for shining a light when places are dark. There's an opportunity for you and I to tell a different story in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities. We can join in the conversations about the doom and gloom we're all facing, or we can be the light in the room that begins to tell a different story. I love what uh, Peter the Apostle writes in in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There's a hope that is inside us. We have to know what we carry in order that we can bless others. So one of the ways that we're doing that is by opening our warm space tomorrow. And I love how we've been been able to be outrageously generous with this. I know in conversations with the council, they're blown away by what we're doing because in the midst of an energy crisis, you know, when energy bills are soaring, we're choosing to use more energy for the sake of our community. So like a huge thank you to Emilio and the team for getting this set up. So if you need a warm space tomorrow, we're open um, tomorrow and every day thereafter until the end of March from 9.30 until 2. 
So you can grab one of these flyers. Maybe you need that, or maybe there's others that you know that would really benefit from it. So there's some flyers available at the back. Um, we still need a few people for teams. So if you know, actually, that would be really helpful to be around. Um, you can do that. We need a few more people. So you can talk to Emilio. Emilio, do you want to give us a wave? Emilio is here. You can email him, or you can go to the Warm Space page on the website. Now, the author, Dave Ramsey, says that outrageous generosity permanently changes the shape and size of your spirit. Being generous actually changes us from the inside out. Showing compassion to those in need not only benefits the people that we're helping, but it changes the shape and size of our own spirits.